This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 388. Cardio for Weight Loss, Everything You Need to Know, part two, by JC Dean of jcdfitness.com. And I'm Dr. Neil Malik, your narrator of blogs covering health and fitness. I read to you from some of the most popular blogs out there, with permission from the authors, of course. Today's post is a continuation from yesterday, so if you're new here, definitely check out yesterday's episode first. That's episode 387. And what I love about this topic is that there are so many myths surrounding fat loss and weight loss and cardio and weight training and how they all fit together. And with the new year here, I'm sure you're all thinking about getting in better shape or getting that body you wanted. But as you're soon gonna hear, JC Dean tries to cut through some of those myths and really gets down to the truth of this. And then I'll give my commentary at the end. So let's jump into part two and continue optimizing your life. Cardio for Weight Loss, Everything You Need to Know, Part 2, by J.C. Dean of jcdfitness.com. How much cardio for weight loss? There are no hard rules for how much cardio you need to do for fat loss to happen. But for my coaching clients, what I often recommend is two to four weight training sessions per week and some light activity in the form of brisk walking or hiking, biking, swimming, etc. on their days off around two to three days per week. At the end of the day, no cardio is required, but adding in some form of movement, even if it's just walking, can help you burn more calories and lose fat more efficiently and quickly. Is fasted cardio better than fed cardio? No, it seems the claimed benefits don't matter as much as we thought. Do I need to be in the fat burning zone? There's a so-called fat burning zone, and many people for the longest time would make a recommendation to perform cardio in the quote-unquote fat-burning zone in order to be most effective. And while it's not completely wrong, it sort of misses the big picture about how we actually burn fat over time. At any given moment during rest, your body is burning fat for energy. Even during movements like walking, biking, and general activities such as gardening, walking up the stairs, or getting your mail, you're burning fat. It's only when we do high-intensity activities like weight training or sprinting that we burn glycogen, which, as we mentioned before, is stored carbohydrates or sugar in our muscle cells. The fat-burning zone tends to be somewhere within 50 to 70% of your maximum heart rate, or MHR, meaning that you should aim to keep your heart rate at a certain level. And the way you'd calculate this is by subtracting your age from 220 and then multiplying that number which is your estimated heart rate, by anywhere from 0.5 to 0.7 for that maximum heart rate range. For example, let's say you're 25 years old. You'll want to subtract that number from 220. 220 minus 25 equals 195. 195 is your maximum heart rate. Now, if we want to calculate 50 to 70% of that number of your maximum heart rate, we're going to multiply 50% times 195 equals 97.5 and 70% of 195 equals 136.5. So, for the sake of this example, the so-called fat burning zone for a 25-year-old person would be to achieve a heart rate of somewhere between 97 and 136 beats per minute. But at the end of the day, this doesn't matter at all. Seriously. 
this is not worth worrying about because our bodies burn fat all the time. What's most important is the caloric deficit for fat loss, period. End of story. Sure, macros matter. Counting macros properly matters. And weight training helps you maintain muscle. But a caloric deficit will take care of fat loss. So don't worry about trying to maintain a certain heart rate. Just focus on getting your training sessions and cardio sessions completed. It's not worth tracking your heart rate and trying to stay within a certain range. Note, just by taking a walk or training with weights, you'll find yourself somewhere between the 50 to 70% fat burning range for most of that activity anyways. Another not so important idea is the so-called fat burning foods. There are literally no foods that burn fat. It's the act of eating less food that actually burns body fat. Why you should avoid overdoing cardio. Remember, with the goal of fat loss, cardio training is only a tool. If it makes sense to go on extra long walks every morning to burn some extra calories, then do it. But don't overextend yourself with extra running, biking, or intervals if it doesn't fit well into your current training program. Here are a few reasons why you should avoid overdoing cardio training. One, it's not sustainable. If you try to do extra cardio during the week in order to burn off some calories to make your fat loss progress happen more quickly, it's only a matter of time that you have to cut off the extra sessions. The same goes for weight training. If you plan to do a six-day-per-week program but can only realistically fit in four training sessions per week, it's only a matter of time before you aren't able to commit to the sessions and feel like a failure. Two, it makes you more prone to injury. Lots of cardio sessions, outside of light walking or biking, can cause more wear and tear on your body, inhibit recovery, and cause you to be more likely to develop an injury either from overuse or having an accident that causes an immediate injury, like spraining an ankle or a knee or pulling a muscle. And three, lots of cardio and activity in general raises stress hormones. You've likely heard of a hormone called cortisol. You've also likely heard about how bad it is. But in reality, hormones are neither bad or good. We only run into problems when they get out of balance. It's been shown that too much high-intensity exercise like weight training, sprinting, or long runs can cause a spike in cortisol if done too frequently. Studies have shown that lower-intensity activity like walking can help reduce cortisol levels. So if you're already training hard three to four days per week, doing some extra walking would be your best variation of cardio. Don't use it for a quick fix. It's easy to get caught up in the I need results yesterday mindset, but it's totally unrealistic and will lead to burnout and a lack of progress. Oftentimes, I've seen people ramp up their output going from zero cardio to five runs a week on top of their weight training. This is not the way to go. Cardio is only a tool to be used when necessary. And if you don't particularly like long bouts of cardio, such as running or biking, then you'll want to consider something you can easily do and stick to. Remember that training and cardio are a means to an end, but they're also a means of maintenance. There will be times when you need to do more and times when you need to do less. At the end of the day, you must ask yourself, is what I'm doing sustainable and realistic over the long term? If your answer is no, it's time to rethink the approach. Can you still lose weight without cardio? Finally, yes. You can lose weight without running or jogging or high-intensity intervals. What matters most is your ability to create a caloric deficit through nutrition and your preferred method of activity, be it cardio or weights or any other activity you enjoy. Many of my clients lose weight without specific cardio, other than some walking on their off days. 
You just listened to part two of the post titled Cardio for Weight Loss, Everything You Need to Know by JC Dean of jcdfitness.com. There are a few things that I absolutely love that JC mentioned in his post. One is ignore that training heart rate range for your quote-unquote fat burning zone. He's absolutely right that that completely misses the point. So when you're at the gym and you see that little heart rate training zone thing that says fat burning zone, if you're this age, you need to be at this heart rate range, ignore it. Don't pay attention to it because what we're learning is the way your body burns fat is due to a number of other factors, not just how fast your heart is beating. It's due to your age, your gender, your current level of activity, your muscle mass, all sorts of other things, things that have nothing to do with your heart rate per se. And as JC mentioned, the hallmark of getting to that fat burning zone is simply a caloric deficit. So really, when you're working out, you should be thinking about how your diet is going and whether you've been consistent with your movement. Remember, like I said yesterday, consistency is really what's important. Your body will turn to burning fat over time, but you have to give it time in order for it to do that. Because again, the body's priority is to want to break down muscle first. Eventually, it'll turn to burning fat. And JC's absolutely right. There is no such thing as a fat-burning food. Foods don't burn fat. Now, there are some foods, there are some nutrients that might help our cells release fat, but that's very different than actually burning fat or using it for energy. I'll try and explain as quickly and as easily as I can. Let's say you have a fat cell around your abdomen. Let's say we're just dealing with one fat cell. There are certain foods, like coffee and tea, for example. When you consume them, it actually triggers the release of fat from that one fat cell. Now, just because your fat cells release fat doesn't mean your body's actually gonna burn that fat for fuel. But what might happen is your fat cell will release fat because you drank some coffee or tea, and then bloop, it goes right into the cell that was sitting next door. So it just became like a fat shift. You move fat from one cell to the next, but that doesn't mean you're gonna look any differently. You're gonna still have the same amount of total fat on your body. In order to lose fat, what needs to happen is The cell releases fat, just like before, but instead of bloop going into the next fat cell next door, your body takes the fat that was released from the cell and then uses it for energy. That's how we shrink our fat cells. In order for our bodies to use that fat for energy, we need to do the things that JC mentioned. We need to have a caloric deficit. We need to stay active. We need to preserve muscle, all of those things. But probably the most important is we have to train ourselves. We have to train our bodies to burn that fat for fuel. And the best way to do that is to stay consistent with your activity. By staying consistent with your exercise, it changes the way your body uses fat. Basically, you're training your body to use fat as fuel more often. All right, now before I go, if you're looking for accountability with your diet and fitness habits and to help you stay consistent, a Facebook group can help with that. And we have one for the podcast where you're welcome to post and meet like-minded people. You can find that group at oldpodcast.com slash Facebook or just search for Optimal Living Daily Podcasts in Facebook and then request access to join. All right, that's it for today. I hope you're having a great week. Thank you for listening as always. I'll see you back here tomorrow where your optimal life awaits.
Hello, Life Optimizer. This is Justin Mollick, creator and producer of this show and Optimal Living Daily, the brother podcast of this one. Literally, I'm Dr. Neil's brother. If you like the format of this show, you'll love Optimal Living Daily too, where I also read to you from blogs, but cover other topics like personal development, finance, and minimalism from bloggers like Derek Sivers, The Minimalists, Zen Habits, and many more. So for more amazing content read to you for free, come subscribe to Optimal Living Daily too, and together we'll optimize your life. You've been listening to Optimal Health Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us and remember your optimal life awaits.